welcome to the Kingdom Roots podcast with Scott McKnight, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today on the podcast, we have the first part of our conversation on Scott's new book, Open to the Spirit. So Scott, looking forward to this conversation, you know, we're having on the spirit today, but um, I guess I, I got an opening question to, to get us going here. Did the spirit lead you to pick Villanova as a winner of the March Madness on NCAA bracket? Well, I picked Villanova, but I would not, I would not give any, uh, I would not want to take any credit for having discerned in the spirit that yeah. that's spirit was prompting me to do but Chad I've been uh, following the NCAA tournament for 40 plus years more than that I guess back when I was in high school I started maybe junior high even and um, I don't pick the brackets from day one all the way to the end I do it by round so I picked Villanova uh, for every game that they played. They had a good turn, and they looked really good in the championship game. Um, uh, I want Michigan to win because yeah, I like you. But but uh, I really enjoy watching Villanova. So, yeah. it, and it was a fun bracket, you know. We had the Loyola Ramblers uh, yeah. coming through and, and being University strong for Chicago. and University of Maryland, Baltimore County beat yeah. the the first round that was a great game uh-huh uh. yeah. yeah that's fun well maybe i don't know we do this theology and the theology the um, new testament studies podcast maybe we need to get like a sports podcast going or something here <laughs> we seem to navigate gravitate to this a lot yeah that's right yeah uh-huh. Well, we've got a, a more important conversation, though, for today with Open to the Spirit. You just wrote this recent book, and it's a really a part of a, a series of two other books that um, have to do with real-world experience that we have. And, um, you know, your take from a, a biblical scholar and looking at it from the um, what the Bible says and how to give that as the foundation. So, um how was this book writing it for you? This journey, really, I guess, of the two other books that you wrote as well in this series. Well, yeah, the uh, my my agent and I, Greg Daniel, along with the publisher, uh, sat down and discussed areas where they thought I could make a contribution uh, for important topics that are are topics that are important to many lay people in the world today, and we mapped out three that we thought were uh, connected by a sort of experiencing God theme is these are religious experience type uh, themes where people make lots of claims. And when you examine what the Bible says about a lot of these claims, uh, some of the experientially based claims just don't stack up. So we started with a book on, on heaven and in part, that was motivated by all these near-death experiences. And uh, I was kind of surprised by some of the people who just didn't even seem to care uh, what the Bible says about heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they had these near-death experiences, and that's the way it is. 
and they believe some of these stories. So then the other one was on angels, and I think in this one, um, I was more surprised than uh, than I thought I would be by the extraordinary number of angel experiences that I would say are fairly comfortable and um, conforming to typical angel experiences in the Bible. So that was a really fun study, but I, I found it very difficult to map how to put it all together. I mean, I'm, I wasn't just going to take go passage by passage. Mm-hmm. I had to put it together, and I, I, I see angels as um, agents sent by God uh, for our redemption. So they are, they are sort of missionary uh, pastors, and uh, I, had a really, uh, I read a really good book by a pastor in England that I thought did a good job on, on this theme himself, and I extended it a little bit beyond the pastoral theme to loving. And then... Then we examined, um, then I turned to the Holy Spirit, and in part, uh, I'm interested in what the Holy Spirit, uh, what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, because there are so many people who, uh, who make claims that the Spirit is guiding them, and I, and I think about it, and I think I'm really glad that you are open to the Spirit and that you are trying to listen to the Spirit, but some of the things that people think that God, through the Spirit, is leading them to do are so, well, I mean, I'll just say they're wacky. Mm-hmm. I think, man, how, how did we get there? So I've had, I had a really good time examining uh, what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit. And one of the most important things that came to me is, because the Spirit is a part of God, or however you want to describe it, is, a, is a, one of the uh, persons of the Trinity. Um, I, I thought that this this was um, a topic that had to be addressed from from different angles that brought together how the Bible talks about the Spirit in ways that are also um, comfortable with Trinitarian talk. So, um, and then the other side of it is to me, uh, the spirit is nothing but chatter and talk if if we don't experience the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there are a lot of people who are never going to have angel experiences, and there are going to be a lot of people who don't have near-death experiences to talk about the afterlife, but everybody's going to die, so there's going to be a confrontation with heaven uh, at that point, mm-hmm. and heaven's in the new earth eventually. But the Spirit is a part of our present everyday experience and living. So I developed a prayer that I use in the book uh, quite a few times. And um, I would like to have begun and ended every chapter with it, but I think my editor thought that was a little overbearing. So I'm go- I, want to, I want to read this prayer because this to me is something that we need to pray on a regular basis if we want to be spirit-prompted, spiritual people. And, uh, and I don't like the word spirit with a lowercase s. I, I like to emphasize the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's presence in us as spiritual rather than just uh, spiritual, and then it just gets to be sort of a religious, mystical, uh, experiential uh, level. 
But this is the prayer that I wrote uh, for myself as I was reading, as I was writing this book, and I, I made this, uh, I, I wrote this prayer to myself very early, and then I got to where because I'm saying it so much, I realize I, I need to, uh, I need to be using it in the book. This, Lord, I am open to the Holy Spirit. Come to me, dwell in me, speak to me, so I may become more like Christ. Lord, give me the courage to be open. Lord, I am open to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Hmm. Now, the theme of my book is open, and I believe that we have to be open to the Spirit. So let, let me tell an experience that I talk about in the book. And I talk about a number of my uh, experiences with the Holy Spirit uh, in this book and non-experiences. I grew up in a family that was decidedly nervous about all talk about the Holy Spirit. And I grew up in a church tradition that thought if someone spoke in tongues, they were certainly demon-possessed. So I grew up in the anti-charismatic tradition, and I encountered a lot of friends who were charismatic. I was at a church camp when I was 17 years old between my junior and senior year. And uh, I was with my girlfriend who... Chris, who is now my wife, and some of my buddies. And we kind of went to the camp to have a lot of fun. Uh, probably that would be a, a very nice way of putting it. And Isn't that what you do at summer camp? You go to uh, Bible camp? To <laughs> What's around? That happens. That's, play basketball. Well, the first night uh, of, of the church camp, we had an older gentleman who was the Bible teacher of the camp come into our cabin you know, this is a hot cabin in the middle of the summer, in the middle of Iowa, and uh, no air conditioning, never heard of such a thing at a church camp. Yeah. And he comes in, and he's a pretty serious guy. I think he was a Bible college president, and uh, he had heard that our cabin was probably going to be the center of problems at the camp, so he came in and talked to us. And... You know, we, we listened to him. He seemed like a very kind gentleman uh, that we, you know, I, I listened to. That's all I know. And he, he talked about uh, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the, with the Spirit and uh, do not be drunk on wine. Um, my buddies who were at the camp, uh, none of us were drinkers, at least none that I knew of. So we turned that into a metaphor for getting drunk on anything other than God by the end of the week. But the, the point was, he said that, um, but that we had to be open to the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit. And he said to us, he, he talked to us for about, I would say, 30 minutes, maybe, well, I don't know. And we had a few questions, and, and we all went to sleep. But he, he told us before he left, when you get up tomorrow morning, uh, before you go to chapel or before you go to breakfast, Ask the Holy Spirit to fill your life. So in other words, turn Ephesians 5.18 into a prayer. And uh, I'm, I've always been an early riser. I started delivering papers, uh, morning papers, when I was about nine years old, ten years old. So I always got up early. And I got up early, and I showered and went down to um, 
the breakfast area and there was no one there. I didn't know what time it was. I don't think I even had a watch. So I wandered over to the campsite where they, you know, where they do the singing at night and light the fires and all. And uh, I sat down underneath the tree and uh, for some reason, I, I decided to pray the prayer that uh, Dr. Benson had told us to pray. And I had a powerful experience mm -hmm. with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And it was, it changed my whole life. I, I am doing today what I'm doing, talking to you, mm -hmm. working on studying the New Testament, reading books, writing, all because of that camp experience where I asked in very simple terms, I asked the Holy Spirit to fill me. I, I really, Chaz, I, I look back, I've, I've thought this many times, it's not just today, but I look back and I think, I had no idea what I was doing. I really didn't know why I was doing it. Yeah. And I certainly had no idea what the implications of that prayer might be, mm -hmm. but it was like um, the Spirit of God took me by surprise and from that point on, I mean, literally from that point on, I wanted to be a Bible student. I wanted to study the Bible. I wanted to go to college and study the Bible. I wanted to go to seminary. I wanted to get more degrees so I could become a, a pastor, missionary, teacher, professor. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I just I wanted to study the Bible. And that very week, I started reading my Bible very seriously. And when I got home from camp, uh, a similar experience for for Chris at that same camp and a couple of my friends uh, who with whom I've stayed in touch our, our entire life. Um, I started studying the Bible seriously, reading the Bible every morning and every evening. I heard this idea that you could read two chapters a day in the morning, two at night, and it, in a year you'd have the whole Bible. Well, there were many times I didn't... Uh, I didn't stop with two two chapters, especially First First Chronicles one through six on the uh, on the genealogy. Yeah, <laughs> and I I re I finished the Bible I think the next uh, August or September. So I I read through the whole Bible in, as a senior in high school, mm -hmm. glorious King James version mm -hmm. in my in my new in my Schofield Bible. <laughs> so that. That's why I have this prayer. I believe that uh, we are not going to experience the depth of the Holy Spirit if we are not open to the Spirit. So yeah, and I'm glad you you, you lead with that, and you know, even I know in the book you talk about it, about um, you know how we can't live as Christians without the Holy Spirit. And you talked about that earlier, and compared to some people may not have a um, a uh, angel experience and interaction, but when it it comes to the spirit, man, that's that's what God's presence is with us, in us, with us, and transforming us. And um, I am actually starting the second part of the the class with Cherith V. Nordling um, for our theology class, and um, that's something that she just comes back to time after time after time, and it's just been such a helpful reminder that how important it is to just like you're saying be open to the spirit because 
man, really, when you, you look at trying to be a Christian without the Holy Spirit, you can't do it because that's not what we were designed to do. Yet so often, like, you know, you know, you mentioned your church background and mine was um, not necessarily antagonistic against, um, you know, the charismatic type of movement, but just totally like not really, you know, caring about it or talking about it much or ever focusing on the importance of being open to the spirit. So, um, I've heard that about the restoration movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I know a number of pastors and a lot of people I know, uh, are in the same world as I am, but mm-hmm. they have just sort of joked about, uh, they, they believe in the Trinity, the father, the son and the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a good that's a good way to put it. They say it. They just kind of laugh about it, and and there's something true. In fact, I've heard some of them say, when it comes down to it, uh, the Holy Spirit is contained in the Bible. Right. It's not just constrained by the Bible, but contained. So all the Spirit you need to know is in the Bible, and there's no more Spirit other than what's in the Bible. So therefore, you don't need the Spirit. You've got the Bible, mm-hmm. and that's uh. I, th- this this opens up another, speaking of the word open, opens up another element to the Spirit. And to me, what I've learned uh, from reading the Bible about the Spirit and in conversations with people like Cherith B. Nordling, students at Northern like you and others, is that is that when you are open to the Spirit and the Spirit moves, you just don't know what might happen next so there is a wildness and a freedom connected to the spirit and so i can see why a group say that you grew up in that say the father the son and the holy and the holy bible and a group that i grew up in that was more anti-charismatic and really we weren't so much father son and holy spirit uh or father son and holy bible we just didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. And when the Charismatics in the 1960s started, the Jesus people started talking Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit that, we were armed for bear to critique it. Um, but uh, what I learned is that, is that, that there's, a, there's a protectiveness about the Bible, and there's a protectiveness about the Spirit that is wise and good for us. In other words, uh, you can't all of a sudden say that the Spirit prompted me to go, uh, you know, burn someone's house down. Right. Now, this is uh, there are there are constraints yeah. of the Spirit, but constraint is not the same as contained. Mm-hmm. And I really believe it's important to to be prepared for radical living for wild living, for free living, mm-hmm. and that's what I mean by radical and wild, wild as Aslan is wild and not a tame lion, is that we have to be prepared for what the Spirit uh, um, what the Spirit might guide us to do, and it might be something that we were totally unprepared to do. And I, I can tell We're uncomfortable to do. <laughs> in my case, I, I was an athlete, Chaz. Mm-hmm. Nobody, don't believe this now. But I was a high jumper, and uh, that's something people really think is funny. And now here's a funny story. Now, this is not on any official, because there weren't official things back when I was in high school. Things were typed on pieces of paper. 
When I was a junior in high school, I high jumped six nine, and it put me um, on a list that my father saw having the second highest jump in the United States for people my age. Wow. And the um, the number one guy was Dwight Stones, who became a brilliant high jumper, seven four five. He was and he had jumped seven one, so he was way ahead of me. But I was I was going to go to um, a university, and I was uh, I was being recruited by the University of Illinois and the University of Wisconsin on the track team as a decathlete, because I grew up. Uh, my father was a coach, a high school a, a track coach, so I grew up doing all the events. I could pole vault, I could shot put, I could hurdle, I could run distances. I wasn't terribly fast, but I I, I had decent speed. So I was going to go to a university and be a decathlete, and that was my life. And um, so the so I got this powerful spiritual experience. I assumed, of course, like all other dreamers, that I was going to be in the Olympics someday. Mm-hmm. But my my primary thought was that I was going to be a high school teacher, a coach, and a German teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, this spiritual experience prompted me to become a student of the Bible. And I had a mysterious knee injury when I was uh, uh, playing basketball as a senior in high school Mm -hmm. that cut out the second half of my basketball career. And they had to cut into my knee. This was prior to arthroscopy. And I I was no longer able to high jump uh, the way I, I did before. So it was just an absolutely slam dunk, easy decision for me to go to a Christian college to study the Bible because that's what I wanted to do. And so so my whole life was redirected. I, I think I would say primarily by the spiritual experience in the, in the church camp. Mm-hmm. But so because of having that knee surgery, there was really, from that point on, not even a, a debate, a conversation, um, any temptation to do anything other than... Uh, Go, go study the Bible. So my experience with people over time has been, this is common, is that right. the Spirit speaks, some very odd and unusual events transpire in people's lives, and they go do things that they never imagined they would do. And I, I've, I was talking to one of our Northern students not too long ago, and she said, if you'd have told me 15 years ago that I would be in seminary studying the New Testament so that I could serve in a church more effectively, she said, I would have laughed in your face. She said, I have nothing to do with church. Uh Despise church. She said, "I I was into parties, I was into money, I was into travel. So the Spirit got a hold of her life and completely transformed her. So, and I tell some stories of some of our students uh, from Northern in the in the book, uh, Open to the Spirit. So I, I think that this is critical, is that being open to the Spirit means open um, to what God has always done, mm-hmm. to something that is consistent with what God has done. But in my particular life, it might mean a radical shift, some wildness, some freedom to do things that I never imagined that I would be doing. Yeah, or, or sometimes wanted to do. I mean, I, yeah, that's funny. I have a pretty parallel story in, in my life. I w- was always a athlete as well and thought for sure I was going to 
go play football at the University of Missouri and then go play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I know some people are like, Chaz, come on. Like, why couldn't you have a little bit higher aspirations than, than the Chiefs? Yeah, but, right. Why not the Bears? Yeah, I, that wasn't in the cards for me. Um, but I, you know, I had a number of injuries throughout my high school career, too. And um, it was one time in particular where I was, um, you know, I had a broken arm, was on a youth trip. And, um, really my motivation, if I'm honest with myself uh, on the trip is there was a, a girl there that I was trying to impress and, um, and, and, um, try to stir up a relationship with. And, um, on the trip, there was, a, a another guy that she was interested in and actually like their relationship started right in front of me. And I just remember being so just as a young high schooler, so beaten down and, and broken and, um, just upset. And in the midst of that was really when I felt God come to me and say, Hey, I think I want you to do ministry. I want you to be what your youth minister was for you and, um, and be my presence to future generations with that. And, um, from that point on, it was like, for me, similar thing is like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. So, um, yeah. And and that, that clearly, I think, is the spirit. So it's so important to, to do that. And I think to get back and maybe to wrap up our time for this part of the episode is um, to acknowledge the fact of the that Jesus, the one that we follow, our king and who's the author and perfecter of our faith, um, the way the spirit interacted with him and in him is so informative because the the spirit isn't clearly all contained if you want to say the old testament for jesus it was something that was necessary for him to be who he was and do what he did so i wonder if you wanted to just unpack that a little bit um for the rest of our time um when you when you read I, i i think the way to put it is this most people that i encounter are sort of shocked if you say that Jesus did his miracles by the power of the Spirit. Yeah. Or you suggest that Jesus needed the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, read the Bible is what I want to say. Is when Jesus is baptized, the Spirit comes on him. When Jesus does miracles, Jesus explains his miracles. If I, I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now that is an overt statement by Jesus that he performs miracles, he casts out demons by the power of the Spirit. And um, he says in Luke chapter 4, when he, you know, at his opening inaugural sermon, uh, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So we, we have to recognize this prophetic empowerment of Jesus by the Spirit, rather than to say that, oh, well, he was God, he could do these things. He is, in in the pages of our Bible, fully human and fully divine. Right. And in, in that sense, as fully divine, Jesus needed the Spirit the way we need the Spirit. And so I, I'm, I'm big on this. Now, Gerald Hawthorne, wrote an amazing book, and I often tell people about this book. Mm-hmm. I think it's called The Power and the Presence or The Presence and the Power, but I don't know. I never remember. And and Jerry was a longtime dear professor at Wheaton College, and 
I remember one time I ran into him and I said, Jerry, I just absolutely love that book. Mm -hmm. Well, I talked to him about that book many times and he was, he always wanted to make a, an updated version of it. But I like to say this, Jerry's book, The Power and the Presence, is the best book I've ever read on the significance of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it was his master's thesis at Wheaton. Yeah, that's so impressive. There was no, this is not something that he did as a mature professor. This is something he did by studying the Bible as a young man. And it, it encourages me of the sort of things that I see with some of our Northern students, the ideas that they have that can be turned into books, uh, maybe now or, or later. So I believe that Jesus operated in the power of the Spirit, and it was the Spirit at work in him that gave him the power to do miracles, to preach the way he did, that gave him insights into people's nature. That So I, I see the Spirit all over Jesus, guiding him and directing him in, in everything he said and, and did. So I'm, I'm big on spirit Christology or Christological pneumatology. Uh, so I, I'm big that these are important themes that we need, we need to have in front of us more often. Absolutely. So today we've kind of talked about just that importance of being open to the Spirit and what that means and um, and in the Christian life, why that's so necessary, and, and Jesus being the, you know, forebearer of that and the, the one who leads the example. Um, Scott, to, if you might, would you want to just kind of wrap up today and then let our audience know what it is they can look forward to hearing from uh, next week as we dive deeper into this discussion into some of the things that you talk about in your book, Open to the Spirit? Well, I would want to say that the primary idea today is that we need to be open to the Spirit the way Jesus was open to the Spirit. And so I'd like to finish with the prayer, but to say that there are, uh, where I want to look in our next uh, next week at being open to hearing from the spirit so we'll we'll look at four themes in the bible that emphasize the spirit's communication with us so the prayer is this lord i am open to the holy spirit and i'd ask people to pray this with me lord i am open to the holy spirit come to me dwell in me speak to me so i may become more like christ Lord, give me the courage to be open. Lord, I am open to the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. And thank you for joining us. Uh, we look forward to being with you next week. If you haven't had a chance to subscribe, please take a chance to do that wherever you get your podcast from. Um, also, if you're intrigued and interested to you know learn more about the Holy Spirit, I encourage you to get Scott's book. I'll include a link to that in the show description. Um, but also, we're going to be having a Taste of Northern coming up May 14th. It's going to be a Monday, and Scott is sharing a lecture that he'll go into to detail um, with that, and it'll be on our Northern Live learning platform. So you'll have the chance to, to kind of interact and ask questions um, if you've got anybody, if you'd like that. Um, and um, and so we'd love to be able to have you for that. I'll also include the link to that in the show notes. So um, really appreciate you taking the time to join us as we talk about the importance of the spirit and the kingdom taking root. And we look forward to um, have you join us next time as we continue our conversation on how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Mm -hmm.